And we are live. I'm Raj. I'm Isa. And here's what you need to know. All right, everyone, welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about something that everyone is familiar with. Um, we want to talk about COVID-19 and how the pandemic has changed our lives. Um, one of the, you know, it was certainly an interesting time. You remember, I remember going into school that last day in March and it was like, oh, we may or may not have days off. People were already kind of like mentally preparing. And then school just like shut down. And we thought it was going to be a two week thing. You remember that? It's insane. Yeah, I remember being excited about, yay, we get two weeks off. And it was like, boom, we graduated high yeah, school. <laughs> it's like exactly. The entire gap of time just flew by. Exactly. It's crazy. It's, crazy. It's, such a, it's such an interesting thing because, you know, our parents have never experienced something like this either. Our grandparents, maybe. No, I don't think so, right? That's no. beyond. Yeah. So we, we are the first generation. They didn't know how to handle it either. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, they can, like if you're going off to college, they can advise you on how to go to college if they went to college. But this is something that nobody was ready for. I remember my dad bought like a bunch of supplies. <laughs> he bought like <laughs> pasta and like toilet paper and all kinds of things. It was like the zombie. He thought like the zombie apocalypse was going to happen. But it was... It was certainly an interesting time. Um, I don't know about you, but I did a lot of binging. <laughs> Watched yeah. a ton of shows. Um, caught up on all those shows that I've been wanting to watch. And yeah, it was interesting. But I think we we bring like a different perspective to the table because we're like students, you know? Gen Z students, we're, the, we're experiencing online school, you know? So how was online school for you? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean... I consider myself to be a pretty social person and it was definitely really difficult to essentially be kind of trapped and not be able to see my friends or keep in touch with them. And it really deteriorated my mental health. And um, not to get into deep, but you know, yeah. when you hang out with people, when you're in the outside world, you're not in your mind you don't go stir crazy but that's what we were that was that's what was happening to all of us we were going stir crazy in our houses you know staring that's at true. the ceiling staring at our knees i mean <laughs> walking to it's the very, kitchen very specific <laughs> i mean like yeah. there's not much but, to look at yeah no i i 100 agree and another thing that shocked me is i thought i had like a good handful of friends but after when the pandemic started i kind of you know they kind of all kind of drifted away I was left with like two or three people to hang out with. You know, it was a very lonely time for me. Yeah. Um, but I am, I am, there are certain things that um, certainly changed a lot. Like I think teachers in general got like a lot more frustrated. You know what I mean? Like I could sense it. Even when we came back to school after the pandemic, they were more frustrated. They had less patience for like student like issues. You know what I mean? You think so? I, I'd say so because a lot of people lied to the teachers. That's that's the truth. You know, a lot of people yeah. made up excuses to not do work. They kind of some people use the pandemic as an excuse, which is crazy because there are people that are actually suffering, and to use that as an excuse is like shameful. But it's they they kind of had a they kind of lost a little bit of patience for things like that because like oh now you can turn it online. You know, there's no excuse for you to oh I didn't print it. You know what I mean? 
don't know. What yeah. did you experience? <laughs> Seem to I don't know. disagree on this one. <laughs> like, I kind of disagree. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's okay, it's yeah. subjective. Mm-hmm. It's really a case by case thing with like different people and teachers. But I found them to be like a bit more empathetic towards really? kids. Yeah, because so many people were having a hard time, and were having um, were struggling with their mental health throughout mm-hmm. the pandemic. That they just kind of yeah. I saw, I'd say, I'd say you're right. I saw like half and half, you know, some teachers yeah. really were kind and open and accepting and other ones were like, no, you shouldn't be turning stuff in late because you can turn it online or you can turn it in a day after. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but another thing I saw that that's actually interesting to talk about was that like most teachers had modified their curriculum to be online. So when we went back to school, there was a lot more like digital work. Like I remember yeah. my English class was purely online. We took the same English class. <laughs> yeah, it was, we turned yeah. in all of our assignments online. I, I was like, if he wasn't here, we could totally do this class at home because it's very, you know, it's you read it and then you write the paper. If you need counseling, like office hours, that would be it. Yeah. So I, I found that was, that was very interesting because there's certain curriculums that I never thought you could teach online, but, you know, they had to adapt. And here we are. I saw a lot of teachers also retired, you know? Yeah. A few of my favorites uh, retired. And I mean... I don't necessarily think that the school board did its part for teachers. Yeah. It was unfair to a lot of people. It was, they didn't, um, yeah, no, they definitely, accommodate teachers, especially those with, you know, prior illnesses. Um, yeah. one of our teachers had to retire early and she wasn't planning on doing it, but she had to do it for her health. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was yeah. certainly interesting. I, I remember that too. I think we had the same teacher for that as well. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I I thought that this would be a time that during this pandemic, after all the tragedy and all the stuff that's happened, that the world would step up, especially like in the healthcare region, in the mental health department. I don't know. They kind of missed the mark. We still have to pay for health insurance. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everything is just so heavily politicized. Yeah. Every single aspect of life is so politicized that... I mean, things that should be bipartisan aren't. That's true. They aren't. And on that note, that was a great segue. <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about how the virus itself was politicized. That was quite the time. I remember watching that press conference. <laughs> the um, For those of you that don't know, there was a press conference back in like early April of 2020. And the president, the former president, <laughs> um, said that... I'm trying to remember the exact words he said. Oh, it was something like you know, the mask stuff was voluntary, and he's like, I'm choosing not to do it, but you can do it if you want to, but I'm not going to do it. I was like, the moment that this whole virus was politicized, because it was like giving people the freedom, the, making it like giving people the illusion of choice when it comes to wearing a mask, you know? I don't know if you've ever seen, have you seen those pictures from like the 1900s of like during the Spanish flu? Yes. Yeah. You, yes. <laughs> The ones that would, like, threaten people to wear a mask or go to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I found that, I'm not sure if that picture is actually entirely true, but I remember there was certainly a few pictures like that, that really, you know, masks wasn't really a question. People just wore them. And now it's been attached to, like, people's personal freedom, which is not true because at the end of the day, a mask prevents COVID from spreading. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's just crazy to think that something as 
basic and as necessary as that, that would easily protect a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Would be so politicized. Yep. It's just, why would you be willing to sacrifice the health of dozens of people that you surround yourself by, like, every day, assumingly, by... I don't know, this is a bold statement, but I mean, your own ego. Yeah. That's just... Yeah, yeah. That reminds me of something that just happened recently. Um, there was the, the there was a pride parade in Idaho, and yeah. there was a few white supremacists who, like, tried to ruin the party, and they wore masks to hide their own identity, but not, to, not for COVID. They just wore masks because they wanted to, like cover their faces and then the police unmasked them like scooby-doo style and posted their mugshots yeah. <laughs> posted their mugshots oh all over the place and i was like that's a great way to handle that that kind of scum you know what i mean like yeah and so it was just funny because i was like like oh now you wear a mask you know what i mean like the whole pandemic it's not over yet but i'm saying like the whole the the worst of the pandemic was happening and you refused to wear a mask and now to cover your own ego your own identity you wore a mask. <laughs> it's crazy. We're going to take a yeah. quick little break. We're going to hear a sponsored message, and then we will be right back. All right. Thanks so much for listening to that message. Um, let's just talk a little bit more about the silver linings of the pandemic, you know, because as bad as it was, um, there were some good things that came out of it. For me, one of the things that I found cool was the the, I don't want to use that term, but virtualization, <laughs> the virtualizing of the workplace, that was an interesting thing because a lot more became accessible, not only to me, but to everyone. You know, virtual meetings, people kind of worked at home, people noticed that, you know, the office, the nine to five routine is not really necessary when you can just spend, a, you know, do one or two meetings and work the rest independently at home. Uh, we'll get to that later. But I do like the fact that because of Zoom, because of Teams, right? All these companies that have, you know, created a virtual space for us, they, we've really extended how far we can go. And now the metaverse, you know what I mean? We can literally do things in virtual reality. Not a fan of the metaverse, but I am glad that those opportunities are being extended to everyone across the world. And you know what? We always kind of knew that this would happen, but the pandemic really just jump-started and was a catapult. To, for us to delve into this, you know, now virtual world. Because now, I mean, laptops were always a necessity, but you use them every day, and everyone uses them every day. So That's true. It's very that interesting true. to see. It is interesting. And also I'm excited because, um, you know, wh what's going to happen in the future now? What, where are we going to go with this? Are, are things going to be more of a hybrid style? people going to come in or stay home or both you know what I mean for for older workers as well my mom is working at home and still working at home because she's immunocompromised so she's doing virtual work and the rest of the office is in in the office space but she stays home and does virtual work and she does a lot of work at home you know she she really completes projects she manages stuff she has her little office space in our house and does that mean that does she really need to wake up and drive every day nine to five and be there in the office nine to five? You know what I mean? Like it's really calling a lot of things into question. We saw that with that movement, um, the the Great Resignation, as it's called. <laughs> yeah. So when the pandemic started, when the pandemic started, a lot of people, well, obviously, like a lot of businesses had to shut down, unfortunately, because you know circumstances, mm -hmm. and 
at this at the beginning of the pandemic i was living with my dad in um and most of you know the apartment complex in the area was just um the people that populated it were just working class so yeah. you walk down the street and everyone is either a bartender or some sort of oh, has some sort of craft you know yeah so what happened was a lot of people ended up not being able to work and were just getting money from unemployment and they realized that they got more money from unemployment than their actual jobs that's true which yeah. Is, yeah it's interesting interesting so this kind of prompted a movement to start because then people realize okay well we're people there's necessities that we have to afford but we can't we can't we can't pay for our rent exactly because of yeah. stuff we can't pay for certain things we can't pay for our kids and stuff so it um it really prompted an evaluation of the workplace and how much work you put in to earn a certain amount of 100%. weight. One hundred percent. Then you see a bunch of minimum wage jobs getting dropped that's by true. people in search for you know mm-hmm. better things. And that's the truth. It's either that or they freaking raise the wage. You know what I mean? Is it really that hard to pay workers an affordable wage? Because it's a matter of. People are realizing their value. People are realizing the value of their labor. And the fact that you have to put in eight hours a day in order to make, you know, just right above the poverty line. You know what I mean? Like, that's not worth it. And people are realizing that worth. Either you pay us a fair wage or we find other opportunities. And I really like that we're sticking it to the companies, you know? The way our system is built is to make it seem like we don't have options. That it's either we do this very limited thing or we won't survive. We won't be able to live, and they kind of hold that against us. That's true. They pressure the, us into working these minimum wage jobs. Yeah. It's we're conditioned to believe it, that like money is the ultimate form of success, and being rich is literally the end of the world. But you know, if I saw this quote, I don't remember who said it, but you know, if you're truly doing what you love, money will come. Well, money will find its way. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really putting passion into it, let's say you want to be an artist. You know what I mean? You can work for you know, a certain organization or something like that, money will find its way to you if you just do what you love. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the truth, and people are starting to realize yeah. that. It's also interesting because there's a bunch of, especially right now, there's, a, like, labor movements to unionize, um, I think, Starbucks? Yeah, Did McDonald's unionize? No, I no. still even on that one. <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed seeing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what, are the, what is the impact of unionization? I truly, I haven't done full research into it, but what, what does unionizing bring? Do you know? <laughs> okay. So a union is basically when people come together and have like a co-op, like a cooperation. So it's worker owned. Okay. So stores are worker owned. So it's not like they have like, um, like a, a head, like manager. Everyone owns a piece of the store so the okay. company so they have like more you know, of a say yeah. more but of a what say, does that do like for because i know they can work. like negotiate for workers rights yeah like that. exactly how, how would they how would they go about that how does it, how exactly do you know how that looks like per se it's just like a big organization okay so they have the you know they they have the power 
because of the amount of people to be able to, you know, no, no, no. talk to My understanding is that upstairs. they, like, sit, yeah, they, they sit down with the people upstairs and kind of, this is what we, the people, the workers want, and, you know, this is what we want, let's figure out a solution or give us what we want, you know, depending yeah. on how demanding they want to be. But what I found interesting is that the company's propaganda was like saying that unionizing is not really worth it, you know, it's not worth the time, it's not worth the money, while they also take an effort to crush union, like unionizing efforts. So of it's course. like, how can you say unionizing is useless and then also crush it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's the, we know the whole why. point. Yeah, we yeah, know why. Yeah. Profits, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying though. But like. The messaging is really weird, and I hope more workers see that. I think Amazon had a vote to unionize as well. Everyone knows. It's kind of like a secret under the table that everyone knows that Amazon workers are overworked. <laughs> and I'm glad that they're going to have the uh, the time to organize and, to, you know, get what's right. That's actually, I'd say that wouldn't have been possible without the pandemic. Because it really gave everyone, like you said, that moment to sit down and realize, what are we working for? You know, yeah. the outlook on society as well. And yeah. I think that's... Yeah, sorry, you wanted to say something? <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. just, I find it very interesting that it kind of took the world, like, almost ending. For people to be like, <laughs> wait, hold on, something's wrong. We need to fix a couple of things. Yeah, well, that's how the machines work, as they say. Machines, right? Like, propaganda and, and all the teaching of, you know, if you don't work a high-paying job, you're not going to, you know, being a doctor, lawyer, you know. It's, I mean, if look, if you want to do those jobs, save people's lives, help people get what they deserve, right? That's your 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 mission, right? But as a kid, especially, I was a gifted student, and we we're taught that like STEM careers are like the only way to go if you want to be successful. Um, I'm majoring in political science now, so I kind of beat the system there. But they teach you as a kid that like, oh, you know, you want to do a career in math, engineering, science, technology, because that's that will get you money, which they viewed as success. You know what I mean? Yeah. But truly where my heart is at is talking about politics and conversations like yeah. these. <laughs> yeah, that's why we're here. No, the way I was brought up, my dad would always tell me that, hey, you can be anything you want to be. You want to be a makeup artist, you want to be a singer, you want to do whatever. Be it, but you need to be the absolute best at whatever you choose. I don't care if you're a janitor. I don't care... <laughs> No, these no, are no. his words. These I are like his that. words. It's like, I, I like don't that. care whatever you do, if you want to be a chef, mm -hmm. whatever you do, you have to be the best at it and take pride in what you do and make sure it's something you love. That's amazing. So. I really like to hear that. And another yeah. thing is that um, I like that people are, nowadays are pushing more for like intersectional jobs. Like, it's not like, oh, I, I forget who is like my cousin or someone in my family, but it's like, Oh yeah, she's gonna grow up to be like a great teacher, or I'd like to—I like to, for her to become an artist. And then I was like, why don't you just be a—you know—she can be a doctor, she can be a lawyer, you know. And they're like, oh yeah, I didn't think of that. It's just something that's so subtle that like people don't even realize that they're conditioning their children to oh, follow the same patriarchal norms. All the micro you know? like sexism. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. I'm sure you've seen all the baby outfits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, ladies' man. <laughs> yeah. They don't realize it. Some parents just do it because that's what they were taught. But yeah. if you take a step back and actually notice, like, you know, my daughter or son can be whatever they want. Yeah. That's, that's the true, like, paving the way for success. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, as kids from, like, immigrant parents, you know, 
they they want the best for us. They came here. A lot of the times they come here a lot less fortunate than, you know, than the way we are now, what they were able to give us by, you know, working here. So they try to condition us to, you know, do certain things, go into yeah. certain careers to make yeah. money and to not have to struggle the way they maybe did. Like, I know my mom mm. was like that. But, like, now it's... Like well, like we said, you know, money isn't the only form of success. It yeah. certainly is nice to have money. Don't get me wrong, but l- like we mentioned, money will find its way to you. So yeah, I think that's a great positive note to end our episode on. We did go a lot longer than usual, but it's okay. Um, this is our lives. You know, this is both of our lives. This is going to be a huge part of how we take action in the future. You know what I mean? And the other generations did not have this kind of moment to do what you love instead of what you. What what brings you money? Mm. So that's why I wanted to make sure we had our story chronicled here in the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, thanks everyone so much for listening. Um, it's Thank been a great you. episode, of course. Thank you. And we will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>